0: weekly keeping score but this week an amazing conflagration of playoffs and controversy and on field and off field baseball heading to the world series slowly but surely golf over are uh, racing kind of in the middle of it hockey basketball starting in earnest football at the quarter pole and we're talking all football all the time much of it on the field a beautiful stadium we're going to take you on a Virtual tour of with Rich McKay, the president of the Falcons Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Much of it off the field because of some of the recent controversies. And who better to navigate through this maelstrom than Don Dan. Dan Calaruso? Don't know Don. No Dan, our global editor from Reuters. How are you, Dan? Don?
1: I'm great, Rich. Oh that that doesn't work quite as well. Anyway, I'm I'm doing well. Thanks. Um yeah, it has been an interesting day. Um we're we're taping on Wednesday and Roger Goodell held a press conference today, uh, said a lot of things, um, but I think it's clear that the, the being caught between players, um, owners, and a president, uh, Goodell sees that his league is maybe not on a, a terminal precipice, but on a precipice of needing to do something to kind of reconcile some of these issues that are dividing the league and fans and players and owners.
0: I have a very different and very positive take to all of this. Because when you consider that everybody was dumping on the NFL, ratings down, corporations abandoning, games stinking, games too long. This week takes the president of the United States and some galvanizing tweets to put ownership and management and players together in one commonality. And remember, we talked about this as a special three weeks ago and we said this might happen well by the way it did 11 owners go to an early meeting with 13 players and then at the end of the day those 11 owners go back and they meet and it's not about should versus must stand for the national anthem it's more about what kind of social platforms do we think we want to have where our players who are different hometowns and they play their games in can put contributions together there can they work with owners, guys like Steve Ross with his Rise initiative and a lot of others can get front-page attention all around the league. So a lot of really good things are happening, and you could argue, as a cynic, you have Donald Trump to thank for this.
1: Uh, I'll argue as a cynic that not all good things are happening. I, I feel like this has come around, and from, I'll just stay on the business part of it, that if you're a brand, if you're any company in America right now, you have to consider the identity politics and the identity issue at play in America right now. People feel like they are choosing sides. And when you look at NFL ratings, and maybe it's the the lackluster games and the lackluster matchups, maybe it's the politics. When you look at the investment franchises such as Atlanta have made in stadiums and facilities to enhance the live game experience, Um, and now you're faced with a president who's been known To galvanize a base, even if it's a little bit smaller than most presidents, with the ability to create a problem where there isn't one and and leave a lot of these seats empty, uh, leave a lot of these games unwatched and leave football maybe the last corner of enthusiastic football fan or fantasy players who don't need to watch a whole game. I think it's a far more delicate situation. Um, I think the owners have to do more than lift service. I think what we saw in the first week of the National Anthem protest was a little bit of lift service by the owners. I think they've come around to see they have to do something. Will it be enough? Will it be empathetic enough? Will it be directed to the right places? And will it be enough to get the president off their back for the rest of the season so they can get down to enjoying watching the L.A. Rams or the Kansas City Chiefs? The Rams are still in L.A., right? They haven't moved again yet, have they?
0: No, uh, no. well put. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and by the way, I, I know. And, you, and, your, and your fantasy games, no matter how much you're watching, the Giants have still only won one game. But that, that's another issue.
1: Yeah, that is not the fantasy. That's the nightmare uh, football league yeah. that I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've worked with these owners in the past, you've done these things. From your point of view, does the effort have to be calibrated perfectly now, or is a little progress enough for advertisers um, and the, the economic ecosystem of the NFL to continue to hum?
0: NFL was in such a hole that they had to make some meaningful progress. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it had to transcend lip service. Good point. A lot of people said that first week when some owners were making statements written by PR people, that wasn't going to work no matter what. The arm-in-arm was an interesting way to get owners to be more in harmony with their players for a competitive advantage, so that's not a bad thing. But not only this has to be tangible community activism, it really does, But it also transcends the other partners. Now, it's also different sports. But remember, let's talk about Steph Curry for just a second. Mm -hmm. And it's relevant because he is the face of infinity and the face of Under Armour.
1: And the face of the NBA.
0: Right, and the Warriors. Obviously, the Warriors, you know, win two out of three NBA championships. Steph Curry, one of the most marketable guys now in the history of the world. He's on top of our uh, Power 100 uh, consistently. And he basically says, look, I can't please everybody. I'm not going to try to, but I'm just going to be myself. Now, corporations have to understand what that means. If the NFL meaningfully and the NBA as well create social activism programs where it's about bail uh, release programs and education programs and urban development programs, those are big deals that players can meaningfully be involved in. And by the way, corporations want to be too. If it's more along the lines of let's just make statements for statement's sake corporations aren't going to like it, the cynics aren't either, and to your point, by the way, over the last couple of weeks I've done even more traveling than normal, and I was shocked that in conversations that I would have with people of all demographics, many of them are burning their tickets, are canceling their direct TV subscriptions, and are, it sounds like you. Uh, it's like, Man. All right, I'm tired of it, and <laughs> I'm not going to deal with this issue, and that's the last straw. Well, it is a serious issue, but I do think they've made progress.
1: Well, you've lost a lot of people on CTE, and you've lost a lot of people on just the violence of the, and the speed of the collision course of the game. So that was alienating. That's kind of kept that's, – that's put a cap on youth uh, football growth, right? And now you're faced with this. Um, I, I think there's – I would hate to say it, but if things break the wrong way for the NFL, they could very quickly become boxing. And I, 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 maybe not very quickly, but they can become boxing. And I think that's a. the teams need to address this. You know, their causes so far have been breast cancer and the veterans, right? And those are worthy causes, but there's a lot of money attached to them, and there's a lot of big corporate interests attached to them. Are they going to be able to generate the same heat around the league and the same buy-in when they go to a grassroots level? Are they going to be able to make it matter as much as wearing pink cleats? That's the issue, and I I think that the NFL has to— kind of downsides its ambition to stay as big as it is it has to understand how to relate on that grassroots level where it hasn't to, had to in the past it kind of has el- had elevated beyond it and I think it, it is going to be an adjustment for the owners and they're going to they're going to have to be careful where they step
0: uh, eloquent again for you by the way and it's uh, also validated uh, the owners met for about five day five hours today and mm-hmm. again we're taping on on the Wednesday and I had a chance to talk to about four of them and they uh, range from A number of different old line new owners family guys and all of them were consistent saying look we didn't talk a lot about mandating whether you must or should stand at the national anthem we spent most of our time talking about real meaningful social change they're lining up a lot of the corporate interests and saying how do we help activate not just because our marketing people tell us to but because it's the right thing so urban education uh, development opportunities, uh, habitat for humanity, meaningful things. You don't just go and leave. But today, if it's continued in the right direction, it becomes a watershed moment for the NFL. If-
1: now, you remember, I think every league goes through these dips. You know, the, the NBA after the big drug scandal in the late 70s, early 80s, until Magic and Bird came, they were it, it was in a trough. Uh, the NHL was in a two-decade trough um, until they invented the winter classic. Baseball. pre-steroid, post-steroids era, went through a bit of a dip. Football is going to face this, but I think it's going to face it in a far more uncertain market um, where more is demanded of them because of the prices of TV contracts and the money that's involved. And I think that's going to make the dynamic just a bit different. But look, the, the key here, as you know, is keeping the experience viable and valuable and interesting. And I think you know you went to one of the new stadiums in the league that that the league of banking on these live experiences and that's kind of we're going to have to come down to some nugget in keeping people involved on that level right
0: yeah and it's a great segue because you know everybody's talking about this decouching experience what does that mean those are the buzzwords today uh ratings have to be good because television pays uh eight to twelve billion dollars a year for the nfl to split equally so you got to do that on the other hand You can't have people walk away and not go to the stadium if they're going to go. So the idea is to have a meaningfully positive experience everywhere. First you had Dallas, then you had Indy, now you're building Vegas, then you're building L.A., you built Minnesota for the next Super Bowl, here comes Mercedes-Benz Stadium. If I had a billion and a half dollars, I couldn't build something anywhere near what I saw this last weekend. 200 suites, 400,000 a year, not for the faint of heart. And we have a special with Rich McKay, the president of the team after moving uh, Tampa. Uh, here's a guy who's been there since 2004, did the stadium deal, did all the fan experience deals, uh, planning for the Super Bowl two years from now, and certainly the Falcons with Arthur Blank and Home Depot, understanding retail. And in many ways, it's the next best phase of stadiums. Well, in the next couple of weeks have the guy who was responsible there for food service the guy who's responsible for fan experience it's so big we decided to divide it up into three weeks here's week one Rich McKay Rich McKay actually is the mastermind he would deny it but he is the uh, one of the founding forces behind Mercedes-Benz Stadium so thank you for joining me. thank you appreciate that nice to have you in Atlanta always thanks again so you come from Tampa in 2004 and the georgia dome is good outside yep. but economically counterproductive and antiquated inside how long did it take you after you got here before you realized we've got to have something new
2: well when arthur and i discussed yeah. coming here right. uh, i had a, an agreement with him that i was not going to be involved in a new stadium deal that we would just the georgia dome was a good home <laughs> uh, that changed probably well two <laughs> years later and uh, i think i think rick for us 07 was a defining moment we we talked to them about renovation we did some renovation we made the building better And I think then Arthur turned and said, you know, I don't, this is not a long-term solution for us. We need to go to the end of our lease. We don't need to go early. We need to go to the end of our lease and we need to build a new building. That's when we started.
0: And May um, 19th,
2: 2014. May 14th, May 19th. you remember the date? May 19th is is an important day for me because that's an anniversary. Ah. So let's assume it was May 14th. So it's May 14th,
0: whichever is correct. So how hard, obviously, it's an easy question. How hard was it to do in a town that's so politically diverse let's say
2: a lot easier politically than we ever would have thought going in because I think we took the right approach in that we tried to give them a public private partnership that made sense Uh, we tried to say to them hey let's just use the hotel motel tax that built the Georgia Dome no don't give us any more than that make a contribution from that and put all the risk on us the deal we did in Tampa was exactly the opposite we went and got a sales tax which was incredibly politically hard to do because then a lot of people are paying for it that actually are yeah. never going to use it. Um, and then we, we said, okay, and you pay 100% of the cost. Right. And this one, we took all of that risk. And I think, so I think it made it an easier sell. It's never easy. I mean, it took us four years to get through yeah. all the political process, four and a half. Uh, but it was definitely more cordial uh, and it was working towards a common goal the whole time as opposed to other stadiums where it gets very confrontational
0: and Arthur Blank's community acceptability and his understanding that he needs to do good and people understanding that made it
2: easy or? Credi- credibility that yeah. word matters yeah. right in all yeah. aspects right. and Arthur has that and he has it here in Atlanta and he's earned it um, and one of the things we started from a credibility standpoint we said hey listen we're all about downtown Atlanta we're not going anywhere yeah. this is where we're gonna be let's make this work and I think that's a good t- place to start months into opening garth brooks home games happy oh yeah we're crazy happy yeah good really good like anything else it's new to us we're, yeah. we haven't been a stadium operators before we're in a bunch of new businesses we're in the food business we're in a stadium operations business we're in a tour business we're an event catering business we're playing soccer we're, we're doing things we've never done so we're not perfect far from it I think one of the things we've done and, and, and I recommend to everybody that gets into yeah. the stadium business is we've really tried to stay right next to our fan and understand from them all the issues all the way along the way. So we're getting better.
0: Game day difference, game day experience, game day prep, Georgia Dome versus here.
2: 100% different, right? The Georgia Dome was built and was an incredible yeah. building to view an, uh, an event. Yeah, that's what it was built for. Yeah. It was to view an event and it was a multi-purpose building, meaning it can host a lot of different events. We went about it differently. We tried to say, listen, we know we can get the bowl right. That's not hard. Let's build a multi-specific uh, stadium that when we go to that stadium mode, today's Falcons mode, yeah. it's going to be Falcons. When you come back next week, we have 70,000 people in here for Atlanta United. You would not know the Falcons play here. I mean, that's it will be a Atlanta United-specific stadium. When you were here for Garth Brooks, you would have thought it was a concert setup. So we tried to design it. With, with the mindset of every event that comes in here should own this building. That's why everything inside the bowl is digital. We don't have one sign in the in the building other than Mercedes-Benz, because we want to be able to change the building. There's a lot of tension, let's say, or different issues
0: with a lot of people about greening. It doesn't necessarily lead to direct ROI, but it's certainly the right thing to do. How do you deal with that? This is a green building, but it also impacts
2: your bottom line positively. It does, I think we, we went into it with the idea that Arthur challenged us to say, listen, we want to be LEED certified. We want to try to be LEED certified at the highest level, LEED Platinum, which is what we're shooting for and what we think we can get. Um, But let's not do it by any of the old fashioned way, which is buying credits and doing all these deals with energy companies that don't really move the needle. Let's do it in the real way. So we hired Scott Jenkins uh, from Seattle, who came in here to run our building, who wakes up every day worried about green. And I think we did some really cool things. I think our water plan is real. I mean, we have two cisterns, that one's a million gallons, one's 600,000 gallons. Our ability to reuse that water, capture that water, it's all meaningful and uh, and important. And for us, it was never about ROI when it came to the green side. What are the
0: hidden gems, or is there like one really cool hidden gem here that you can talk about? Yeah, yeah.
2: so I think that, uh, I'm gonna give you the simplest one that we like is, you can actually circumnavigate this building on any level, in other words, you That's can cool. walk all the way around it with any ticket. And so people think, oh, that was simple. You know, right. that wasn't quite as simple no. and none of these new buildings no. do it and we don't understand why. Right. Because if you call yeah. me and wanna have a beer and we're in some of the new yeah. buildings today, I, I can't right. see, right. I can't get there. So we, what you see in those bridges that are hanging behind us where people can walk is the connection between the levels. And we just think that the social aspects of stadiums going forward, are as important as the design of the bowl. They are because people are going to have alternatives. It's called television sets. Yeah. That 30-incher uh, now today is the exact same price as it was, but now it's 70 inches. Yeah. And the experience is incredible because we're at 4K. So we know we have to create a social atmosphere. We spend as much time designing behind the bowl, meaning the concourse area, as we did in the bowl. Well, that's
0: inside. Now, talk about outside for a minute. The Atlanta Atlanta's community center, this is a big deal.
2: Big deal. We try to tie right into downtown. Yeah. We have two MARTA stations, which is our, our mass transit, and we are, we're 200 feet on one direction, 200 feet the other. So we're right in the hub of that mass transit. And then we try to create something that would be inviting. So you're going to see when the Georgia Dome comes down on November 20th, you'll see a backyard built. We'll call it the Home Depot backyard. Mm-hmm. It'll be a, truly a park uh, for the West Side community. Uh, and then we'll tailgate on a game day. So we're, we're trying to be truly the center of downtown.
0: What does this do for the Falcons brand?
2: We're on an elevating yeah. arc. Uh, that game at the end of last year hurts still. This is just another piece of that elevating arc. We don't want to be, Arthur would never wake up in the morning and say, hey, let's try to be a top 10 franchise. It's not his object. Yeah. Let's not try to be a top five franchise. You know, he wants to be the top yeah. franchise, and that's what we're trying to do.
0: Super Bowl 2018, you going to be ready? Oh,
2: yeah, we'll be ready. Yeah, we'll play here in, uh, in 19. We'll be, we'll and the, the requirement, Rick, of the NFL has always been that you have yeah. to operate for a year. Checkout year. So this is that year. Right. Uh, we have the college football national championship game uh, this year in January. So we'll, we'll have a pretty big event there. We'll have 75,000 in the building. We've already had two uh, college kickoff games with uh, Florida State, Alabama, Georgia Tech, Tennessee. Both those games had 75,000 in the building. So we're, we're well underway. We'll be ready.
0: International audience, tell us what a Sports and Entertainment is, and you run it.
2: So. Yeah, so it's his, it's his kind of roll-up company where we, 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 we put the Falcons, we put Mercedes-Benz Stadium, we put Atlanta United. We really try to do it, too. We independently empower those entities. So Atlanta United, we hired uh, Darren Eels from Tottenham uh, to come run mm. that business, and he runs it. It's, it's his business to run. He's done a fantastic job. Our job is to support him. Anything he needs, we're going to give him. Uh, on Mercedes-Benz Stadium, we hired the best of the best to do it, um, and we've empowered them. So it's kind of who we are, uh, and uh, we, just, we use A&B Sports as one place to go. If you got issues, yeah, we'll yeah. help
0: you. So you and your brother and your father, six national championships, 12 Rose Bowls, one XFL championship, which yeah. was huge, yeah, uh, a was Super Bowl yeah. coach of the year. You, what, what, were, what were Thanksgiving dinners like? Yeah, crazy. <laughs> we didn't have Thanksgiving dinners,
2: right? I mean, yeah, you were playing, you were prize. playing, right. The cool thing about growing up in it, uh, Rick, for me was probably the three years my brothers played was as cool as it can get, yeah. right? You so see your brother, who's your big brother, who used to you know, knock you around a little bit but was your best buddy, um, is playing at USC. My dad's the coach. We won two national championships in three years. Um, he catches the winning touchdown in the last game of his career yeah. in the Rose Bowl with two minutes to go. That's a pretty good day. So I always, people always say to me, oh, was the Super Bowl your favorite day? What's your favorite moment? No, that's my favorite moment. I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, I was 15 years old and it was cool. So my dad always used to have a phrase that I, I try to live by with my kids, which is include, don't indulge. So we were always included. But we were never going to be overindulged. And that was kind of the way we operated as a family. And, and it was it was cool growing up.
0: You were also included in the reaction where in the late 70s. Your dad coached the Windless Bucks. And when he was asked about his team's
2: execution, he said, I'm all for it.
0: Was yes, that the did. line?
2: That was the line. He was asked about, hey, coach, what do you think of your team's uh, uh Execution, and he quickly responded, "I am all for it." And it caught a lot of reporters off guard. Yeah, uh, but it—it uh, still NFL film still has the soundbite, so it's pretty cool. It lives in infamy. It and does. for you, I'm just trying to figure out: Does it matter to you that that's the people? That's the question people want to always no. ask about you. No, anytime they bring up the coach, um, we're happy to talk about him, right? Yeah. And I get it all—that it's crazy, Rick, yeah. how I still get it with everybody saying, sure, yeah. "Hey, I knew your dad, I liked your dad, I followed your dad, I was a young guy when you you're dead, So it's really cool.
0: Stetson Law School, 84, did you ever think you'd be here?
2: No, no. I went to law school. My dad was pretty clear to us, to John and myself, that, listen, don't go into football. You, need, you guys need to go get a profession and, and uh, learn something and have a trade, and, you know, that way you won't have to move around and do all that stuff. So I went to Stetson to be a lawyer and uh, left and went to clerk for a federal judge for two years to be a lawyer. Uh, So, no, I never thought that I would end up in this world.
0: And then final question is, you did a pretty good job Super Bowl 37. So, the architecture of building a Super Bowl team, you've done it before. How long before this team gets back?
2: Uh, Well, you know, I I would say this. We're a a good football team, and we're a good organization. Dan, uh, Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov, we we operate at a high level in my mind. We've created a culture uh, for our football team that's going to give us a chance to win for a long time super bowls are hard everything has to go so right last year i was in a sports bar watching dallas play green bay and i knew that the end of that game was going to have a direct impact on whether we could get to the super bowl because we were going to play at home or we have to go to dallas and i think we i I think he he was in at green bay by that much so there's so many things that impacted we have a good football team we're on a good arc Uh, we had a good chance
0: so 15 years ago arthur blank buys this team for 545 million dollars Rich McKay won't talk about the worth, but Ford puts it at over 2.1 billion, and the NFL franchise value averages over 2.5 billion, and the reason it is is because of facilities, franchises, and owners striving to be the best, and also the reason it is is because people like Rich McKay implement the vision. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. The producer, Alex Cohn. Associate Producers, Freddie Joyner and Ryan Warner. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek Tanner Simpkins and Ronnie Sokatch, and the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Rick Harrow. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.